Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Gestalten. My name is Eric Galina, and I'm joined by my colleague, Martin Groschwald. Hello, Martin. How are you? I am well. It is very early in the California morning. I'm looking out of the window. The sun is shining. It's not as warm as it was last year during that time, but it's obviously absolutely lovely to be in the sun and not in a depressing winter. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you're making me very jealous because I am not there. Um, I am in London where it's bone chilling cold. So welcome to winter in Europe. But anyway... Um, besides the weather, actually, I heard it rained yesterday, whatever, but perhaps that's neither here nor there. Um, the- no, no, it actually hailed. It actually <laughs> hailed. Like, you know, we, <laughs> it, it was crazy. Like, you know, the thunder was so loud. Like everybody in the, in the, in the, in the, in the convention center was like, you know, like, Oh, what was this? You know, it's just like, you know, we haven't heard, you know, thunder and lightning in, in weeks and months here in California. So, uh, yeah, it, it was not a nice day yesterday. So it was good to be inside at the show. Welcome to global warming. So <laughs> on that note, uh, there has been quite a lot of new developments in the automotive industry recently. Of course, there is the LA Auto Show, which is why you're out in LA right now. Um, but there's, you know, there's been other vehicles that have been revealed uh, outside of there uh, as well. So I think, you know, in light of the fact that we're talking about global warming and the like, Um, maybe we can kind of kick off with uh, what's happening over in the largest car market in the US, which is California. Um, There's quite a lot of things that are happening uh, over there specific to that market, I should say as well. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, probably the headline for me is this this Mustang Mach-E that was revealed, what, on Sunday night offsite at the LA show. But very mm-hmm. much a California market car. It's a global market car, but I mean, you know, obviously it was, it was, I found it really interesting that they chose to, uh, to show it off in Hawthorne, which is basically just a stone's throw away from Tesla's design studio. <laughs> so, um, that was very interesting, but how does that, um, you know, what was kind of reception? Because I know a lot of people have been moaning about the name, myself included, um, but, you know, as a general kind of proposal and proposition, electric car proposition from one of the biggest car makers in the world, what was your take on it? What was people's reception generally in L.A.? Um, it was extremely split, um, I have to say. I think uh, the, the general consent was that, you know, people are very happy that Ford is finally moving towards this EV transition um the negative side of it was just like okay so you're using the mustang name and you you you, you're using just another suv the suv i can kind of understand as well but using the mustang name for a car like that was heavily criticized over here there was very little understanding of why this happens um there were some kind of um I would say speculation that's been going on uh, that they might even push Mustang as its own brand to kind of have Mustang as all the electric cars. Uh, But this has not been confirmed. This was just speculation between, you know, people I've spoken to. But uh, in general, I mean, you know, from my personal opinion is that uh, it's funny that it was shown in Hawthorne because it's not anywhere close to a Tesla and, you know, good enough as a Tesla. Um, the the interior is heavily inspired by the the Model S and the Model Three, of course. There's just almost like three floating uh, a screen, uh, which is unfortunately from term ergonomics not really great um, because it's pretty much 
vertically, whereas the Tesla one is a little bit with an angle. So the verticalness is just really strange. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily something that looks very unique to what Ford could have come up with. It looks very much like a Ford Tesla clone, um, I have to say. So, you know, it depends on how you want to see it. Yes, it is an electric Ford, which is very good. I think, you know, it goes into the right direction. But in the end, it's not going to be what they all talk about as a Tesla killer or something like that. It's just too similar to a Tesla. And from a brand perspective, it's just not as sexy as a Tesla. So I think because it is in California, and hopefully I, I'm not aware of any kind of pricing, but in general, it will find its customers, but it will not take away much from Tesla, unfortunately. It's not as forward-thinking as progressive from when you see it at the show. The exterior, if you want to see like you know some exterior shots, just check the, uh, the Concept House Instagram. I've done a lot of videos on the whole thing and on a lot of whole show, but the exterior is just nothing special, you know? So it's a very conservative approach to get into the, um, the electric market and then using the Mustang name, uh, you know, could, 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 could be more harm than it does, uh, that, that, that it helps, uh, the Ford guys. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's interesting that you say that, uh, obviously like I'm not in LA, but I have spoken to a lot of people that were involved on that project. And, um, you know, obviously the, the fact that it became what it was, what it is, um, is not basically how it started out. And, um, I think that was the work of, uh, of Jason Castriota. We all know him from his Penn and Farina days. And, uh, he is now over at Ford has been for about three years, but I think that with with his involvement now and he's kind of the the brand director for battery electric vehicles at ford um though he was on the design side of it in the beginning he kind of made the transition uh over after um the vehicle was kind of in the uh, in the throes and i think the decision to kind of uh, pivot is the is the word that everyone is using because initially it didn't start off. It started off as a contemporary uh, crossover SUV type thing that was going to be battery electric, a compliance vehicle they're calling it because it, you know, mm. all, every automaker basically needs to create a vehicle that is going to uh, eat up their carbon emissions, and and electric vehicles basically do that. So they basically stay within the requirements of the uh, the EPA and all the rest. So. Um, but it's it's very interesting uh, it, that pivot into Mustangdom, and uh, I think obviously that's got a lot of people up in arms. It was a very big internal discussion I've heard as well. Uh, not a lot of people were sold on it, and then they did apply some kind of Mustang traits in terms of design, but. Um, you know, the only thing that I'm not really like aware of and, and convinced by is is the quality. Obviously, I didn't sit in the car. I didn't see it. But I did see some of your Instagram videos. And, you know, it looks a bit narrower um, than I would imagine. But, you know, really, it's it's very on par with an I-Pace. It's exactly um, pretty much it's identical in terms of dimensions. What do you think in relation to that versus the I-Pace? Well, I, I've, the, the I-Pace, interestingly, seems to have a very big uh, influence on the general kind of, you know, EV, SUV direction. Uh, when we talk about the Hyundai later, uh, there's definitely some Jaguar influence on there as well. Um, the, 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 the problem that I think the Ford has is it tries too hard to be a Mustang, um, you can see that it's almost like you put some decals on it. And it's like, look, like, I call it now a Mustang. I put some, you know, some stuff that 
features by the Mustang on there. It, it just doesn't work for me. I mean, if they would have called that, um, Ford used to have a car that was called the Lightning. If they would have, you know, re- resurrected that car and called it the Ford Lightning Mach-E or something like that, then I think it's it, it would have been a much different kind of, you know, understanding of the customer, like the people looking at the car. When you see the Mustang, and they had, um, I think, you know, a bunch of Mustangs around as well, and obviously you see them here on the streets all the time, it's just like this is not a Mustang. Like you know, as much as you, as hard as you want to try, it's not a Mustang. Um, and and that is that is the feeling that you get from it. So you know what Jaguar did well in that sense is like taking that DNA, DNA that they had and bringing it into that kind of SUV, into that kind of I pace, which which has worked relatively well. It just does not work here. I mean, it it, it could be any kind of car. They're trying to put some kind of. Um, you know, Mustang elements on it, but it doesn't necessarily work because it feels like the car, as you mentioned, started off as something completely different and someone came in like, hey, we call this the Mustang and put some Mustang elements into it, um, which is which is quite unfortunate, you know, because I think it's, um, uh, it's a big, you know, chance missed for Ford to make this actually really great. And there are some parts that are really great uh, of this whole thing, but it's just not where I'm saying like, you know, this is the revolution that you should be going for, like, you know, this evolution. Um, I know we criticized the ID3 quite a bit with um, in the Frankfurt Motor Show, but that is at least a kind of development. And you can say, okay, yeah, they're going for this Ford class, but they're trying to do something a little bit different um, with that as well. Whereas Ford is like, mm, I'm not so sure if, if, if they really pushed as hard. It seems like, you know, they are, um, uh, you know, that they, that they are trying to kind of please as many people as possible. And at that, I think they're failing. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you know, that was the name, of course, was the biggest issue of contention for me. But uh, the design team does make some very convincing arguments into, you know, moving the vehicle and the brand, of course, the Mustang brand is very strong, very well known um, into the future, really, you know, they need to do that. They can't continue to make, you know, um, five liter V8 uh, powered vehicles. I mean, the yeah. thing is, they're going to continue with the traditional Mustang range. It's just that they're adding, if you will, to the lineup. And so um, that, you know, very much so Mustang is going to become its own brand in the stable. And that's only because Ford, uh, along with a few other automakers, has decided that they are not going to pursue the uh, common passenger car market, and they're going to instead focus on trucks. Um, Mustang is going to actually move into becoming its own brand under the Ford umbrella. Mm. And that's, uh, it's very interesting, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, definitely a big issue of contention. The lightning name, of course, like that's, I made a post a couple of days ago myself, like that is totally what I believed that, um, you know, they should have called it because lightning is also a a bit of an iconic uh, vehicle. Um, there's a, a few cars that actually make reference to um, electricity in their name, uh, which could have totally been used, but um, perhaps it wasn't as strong in the eyes of uh, of the uh, the marketing department, and that's uh, that's basically what uh, what it's come down to, I guess. But there's a petition, interesting yeah. enough, to change the name. There's a, a petition <laughs> out right now, which is hilarious. Which I've yeah, signed they, it. They, they sh- they should probably go for that. Yeah, they should. They should change that name. That's that's that really is a silly name. 
But anyway, so that aside, then it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, it would have been good to see that that vehicle in person, but I'm sure we'll have occasion to because it will be a global car and it will sell in uh, uh, the three markets, the three main markets uh, worldwide. So Europe, US, and uh, China, of course, as well. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, what the public's kind of uh, perception is of that, and whether or not it sells well, um, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But in terms of other kind of uh, developments over there, uh, reveals, big v- reveals. What were some of the uh, some of the bigger ones? Because you know, it seems like uh, LA. It's always hit or miss in LA. You never really know if you're going to get something uh, a, go- a really good show. I mean, auto shows have been waning in in the last few years anyway in terms of interest. What's the uh, what's the general vibe over there in LA? Um, and you know, are there any really interesting debuts? What's the what's the feeling? Um, I I have to say I focused more a little bit on the concepts or like you know like you know the, the the more mass market cars. Of course, there have been quite a lot of reveals and you know world premieres on very American specific cars like you know Mercedes uh, GLS, which is an absolutely massive you know almost van style car uh, that Mercedes have have uh, revealed over here very likely not coming over to Europe or anywhere else in the world because of just simply of its size over here. It's a little bit bigger than the midsize, but you know, that's just the way it is. Um, in terms of a, a design perspective, I think for me personally, the most interesting one, um, was actually the Kama SC2. Um, the Kama SC2 is a, uh, about 80% done car. Uh, it's very close to production already. They probably have to change, they have to change the lights and all, you know, some kind of things like that. Um, but it's simply a beautiful car. Uh, it's, you know, the surfacing was fantastic. We have spoken a little bit to Andreas Turner, uh, but mainly, uh, uh, mainly to, uh, Andre Lewis, Andre Lewis from the, uh, uh, from the interior team at Karma, and he gave us a little bit of a rundown of the car, like showed us everything, and that was really, 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 really cool. I think it's it's a very like high level luxury car. They will not make that many of them. It will be a production car, of course, but they will not make you know thousands of them. Um, and for the direction that Karma wants to go into, it's uh, it's a it's a fantastic little car. Um, it very much draws back to the simplicity like you know older Aston Martins uh, similar to what Ferrari is now doing with the Roma you know going back to beauty as well and uh, the the exterior was great the interior is really cool as well it's a two-seater it's it's still driver focused it apparently you know I'm obviously very careful with these numbers but uh, it's it it reaches 1 to 60 in 1.9 seconds uh, on full electric power so the thing would be an absolute beast if it would come onto the streets like that um <laughs> but it was just in terms of design it was just beautiful to look at is that going to be a car for the masses absolutely not um but it's it was literally just beautiful to look at and the the kind of coolest concepts that you know volkswagen had this little dune buggy thing there uh which was just like you know it's like a baja truck or whatever it is which was pretty cool mercedes had this uh, carriage there that they have shown already on pictures for the opening of the the new Nice studio in France uh, was the first time I've ever seen it, which was pretty cool, um, I have to say. But apart from that, which is obviously, um, let's say, apart from the Karma, which is close to production, about 80% to close to production, we were talking here about 
um, you know, fun cars, concept cars, those kind of things. Things that were close to production or aiming for production, that was actually quite a big of disappointment. And for me, I'm going to say something similar that I did for the Frankfurt show. I'm not quite sure if coming back next year to LA is actually worth it. Um, because what we have seen here this year, which includes the Audi e-tron, like, you know, I've seen personally the Corvette for the first time here, the new one, uh, the, the, the Volkswagen ID space vision, which is going to be the new Passat, you know, that Hyundai concept as well as like the, the, these cars don't justify coming here, uh, for the show. So at least not on the aspect that we have from, you know, for is like the design perspective and, you know, obviously talking to designers uh, is, is is a different story of that. That's always great to meet up with the guys, but just, you know, from a, from a design push perspective, I'm not sure if this is actually worth coming here or if I should go just to see yes and see like, you know, if the more advanced stuff and the more like, you know, what, what what's happening in the future stuff will actually happen there. Um, and that was a bit of a disappointment, I have to say. Yes. Well, I mean, that's just uh, the general vibe, I think, generally is, uh, you know, whether these shows are kind of worth it in terms of the cars that you're able to consume there in pub in person. Uh, obviously, you know, liaising with, uh, with uh, you know, your friends and, and speaking to design colleagues and, you know, um, that all kind of descend upon there, certainly from the, uh, the U.S. M- manufacturers and all of the studios that are in California. Um, it's definitely worth it from that perspective. But then, um, you know, it, it can be argued, seeing as it's so close to the the Grand Zhou show, which is taking place. Um, I think it's st- it kind of kicks off this weekend, um, or maybe even tomorrow. Um, you know, China is still a hotbed for automotive, you know, um, shows, you know, salons and auto shows. Um, so it seems like perhaps that is, uh, the better bet in terms of, you know, going out and seeing a chunk of new metal, but the relationships I think are very important as well. But, um, anyway, so there was nothing really like worth seeing. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned this Mercedes vision simplex concept, but that, you know, there was a lot of things that have been shown elsewhere before, as you mentioned, it was uh, unveiled at Nice. Um, but uh, was there anything that was really like worthwhile and relevant? Like what's, what's the deal with the, the Hyundai concepts or the vision T and also the, the Kia as well, which is a new car. Um, so let's, let's start off with the Hyundai. The Hyundai had some interesting parts of it, but it it's just too busy. I was wandering around, uh, with a few, with a few designers actually, and we were looking into that kind of car. And one of the guys said, look, the latest, trend that's going on is that all the designers want to hide the lights so the lights should become pretty much part of you know um of of the entire exterior so when they're off you don't see them and when you turn them on uh, that's when you see the lights and the hyundai was very much working with that from the uh from the from from the front area but what I what I just don't understand is this, a, this is such a heavy parametric car. Uh, the side view is extremely busy with you know uh, weird angles, lines that are going everywhere. Uh, the rear is actually really nice. That worked out really nicely, and like in, in in when you see it in the flash and when you stand behind it. But I just wasn't sure um, if. What this is going to preview, or what this is supposed to show, like you know, what the plan with this is, you know, is this just that they wanted to show, hey, we have the capability of using parametrics? Like um, Hyundai has done better stuff, and if I compare this to the to the Frankfurt show, 
uh, into the Frankfurt car, this is going to a completely different kind of direction. You know, at Frankfurt, they were like in this clean environment. Um, they were trying to show, you know, simplicity. Now they're going back to complexity. They're going to like, you know, uh, sometimes having really big issues of interpreting the whole thing. Uh, this car also didn't have an interior, which I think was an absolute shame. Like, you know, don't go to car shows anymore with it without an interior. Like, you know, what, 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 what's going on with that? I don't just want to see the exterior. That's always um, been a big issue with me. Yeah. I definitely um, want an interior. Yeah. And like, so, you know, for me, this is what I'm saying. This is like, you know, the, 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 the general kind of idea of that Hyundai show car is like, I just don't get it. Like, you know, there's too many elements going on that if, if it would have much more refinement and like, you know, more of that, that work that they've put into the, the Frankfurt car, the simplicity, this could have been actually really good and could have been very close to a future production, uh, a production car, uh, SUV or whatever, you know, crossover, those kind of things. Uh, could have been but for a show car or like a concept or whatever they wanted to do with that i don't know man that was that was not great um the speaking of the kia uh they had the habanero there which i just love by its name uh, <laughs> that was a car that they first uh, shown in new york i think it was in april or something like that and it was the first time i've ever seen it and we raved about this when we when we did the New York show uh, podcast as well. And this was, you know, when I saw it, I was like, this is so cool. This is tiny. This is modern. It plays with colors. Uh, you know, it, it was unfortunately closed, so we couldn't we couldn't get into the interior uh, and sit down. But this was just day and light of difference, you know. And also the Hyundai was so dark. They've used these, like, ultra dark colors that it was just like, mm, you know, it seems like you maybe want to, you know, you want to cover up some of your mistakes, whereas the Habanero was just young, it was fresh, where I'm saying like, yeah, this this was great. This was really, really good fun. So, um, you know, day and night, uh, pretty much, unfortunately, from the Hyundai group. Um, and something that I don't want to talk pretty much about is that new uh, Genesis G90, because that grill is just absolutely enormous. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's not my cup of tea to have these kind of grills, but Hyundai, day and night, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess, you know, perhaps, as you say, you know, they're, they're, when I first saw that car, it screamed parametric. Um, and that's what I wrote in a little caption on uh, when I published a little thing on social media when I saw it in first uh, last night. But it's perhaps, you know, like you mentioned, the Concept 45 that was in Frankfurt, that was uh, an homage to Jajaro. But again, there was also some notion that it would be the future of the of the company's design direction. Um, at least that's what was being said. So perhaps they're still testing the capabilities of, you know, of uh, all of these new, new digital tools that are at their disposal. But perhaps also they're testing um, you know, feedback from various markets into which design direction they would ultimately choose to go in. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting, it's appealing, but it is far, uh, far complex and far more complex indeed than the uh, the Concept 45. But yeah. uh, it's I, just, just to kind of put this on there, I mean, it, it on the pictures – you know the, the the silhouettes and stuff like that. They they do necessarily work. I've just opened up the pictures that I took yesterday. But when you're in the flesh over there, um, you know it's 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 just too much going on. That's that's really the point for me. It's just like I was I was overwhelmed. I was like I don't even know which line I should look at. You know, there's a bump here. There's a bump there. Um, it's 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 just a bit too much. So even if it's exaggerated, uh, it's it's too much exaggerated. 
Right. All right. I got you. But um, the, the the habanero isn't actually the, the the Kia that I was referencing because the all new car is the Celtos, um, which is basically an entry level, you know, to compete in the uh, in the uh, in the smaller SUV range. Um, and that to me looks quite interesting. I mean, it's um, certainly, you know, Kia's design theme for you know, in terms of simplicity, it's far more uh, si- simple um, and y- utilitarian, even shall we say, than um, than what Hyundai's been putting out in recent times. It's it's blocky. I mean, it still has some you know volume and and presence in the in the body side. It's not slab sided, but it's very much following on from the Telluride, the the bigger brother. What was that like reception? To, you know, how was that? In the flesh, it looks much better than Telluride. The Telluride is um, is just massive. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but we saw the Telluride last year already. So this time, you know, uh, we I think we were actually sitting in one as well and driving around in one. But yes, um, yeah. <laughs> I uh, remember that. So, so the. The Celtos is is indeed the smaller brother, but it's much more. The proportions work much better. I think you know they they're using this more a bolder color statement with it as well. They tell you right in like this year's show and last year's show, they've shown in very conventional colors, like, you know, black and silver and brown and all these kind of things. This one comes in, you know, some crazy funky colors. So it's much gonna much more going to be a car that can also come over to Europe, uh, also in terms of its size. Mm. And it has much more of this, I would say, European um, Kia direction in it. The Telluride is very American. Like, you know, you can see that in the way it looks, the way, it, you know, the interior as well. The Celtos, the Celtos is more of a um, a European kind of take on this. So it it has reminded me much more of the Kia Soul, for example. It mm. has reminded me much more of, um, you know, the Optimas and stuff like that. So more like, you know, the, 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 the sedan range. So this is where it becomes really interesting because it's it's not necessarily if you look at it an American car it is more of a a world car or like you know a global car um and for that you know kudos to Kia because it's uh in the flesh you know it's 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 well proportioned for an SUV um it's well you know the the front is nice um has some nice little details on it as well uh and it's not what 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 other people want to do. It's not going to change the world, but it's just a very solid car. Again, I'm not sure about the pricing, but you know, I think it's going to be very competitive. So, um, you know, Kia continuously is doing a good job, and the car that we're not going to talk about in this podcast, but probably in another one, the new Optima uh, that they have shown as well, is going into a very similar direction. Uh, you know, with with what they're doing. So uh, that was definitely the right one, and that's what I mentioned with like you know, day and night. I mean, if I if I have that, uh, if I have the Celtos, if I put the Habanero in there as well, that is just cool. You know, they know what kind of customer group they want to go for. And it seems more like the Telluride is a little bit out of that entire context, even here in the US, um, where that seems like a car that we have to do. And and the Celtos is the car that you can say like, hey, yeah, this is this is actually the people we want to attract. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Kia's always done very good in terms of market research and appealing to people that, uh, you know, are indeed very price conscious. I mean, they're, they're always very competitively priced against their competitors, like the Telluride, for example. 
if you price that against one of the um, even American big threes, like from Chevrolet or uh, GM brands. So, you know, the Yukon, for example, the Tahoe, they're like way more expensive than the Telluride. So um, it's it's a, a very appealing, I think, uh, proposition for someone that needs a vehicle that size. But I do agree with you. There is more of a European sensibility, not only from a size perspective, but uh, generally um, looking at the uh, the Celtos, and um, I th- I hope that it does come to the uh, to the to the uh, to Europe because I think it would be actually quite a successful proposition for Kia. In you know, small SUVs are, are hugely popular, um, so it would be a shame not to see it here. Um, and and indeed, it wouldn't uh, it, it would it would probably sell quite well, I'd imagine. So yeah, it, moving, it, it, moving that on, would be a car for the mass market, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So there was uh, a couple of other things um, that I know of that were revealed, but which one would you say was more impactful um, next in your list? Um, I would probably say the the ID Space Vision, um, a Volkswagen concept. Uh, cl- you know. A, a good outlook for a production car, as we obviously know uh, by now, Volkswagen, they don't do crazy show cars. They don't do crazy concepts and those kind of things. They always build these show cars based on their production platform. And the the ID Space Vision is pretty much a preview of the next Passat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the interesting thing actually about it was that uh, the front, um, there's some parametrics in there as well. It's just like, guys, if you want to use parametrics, use them properly and not just use them so that they're there. Uh, that's my, 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 my first criticism of the whole thing. But the interesting one that I saw or that I found when I stood next to the car was that there is a lot of inspiration from Skoda on this one. Um, if you look into the belt line, if you have the front three quarter view and you look into the belt line, this looks very much like a Skoda to me, like the simplicity of it, you know, the way the lines go, the way the surfaces work, the, the volumes work. I was just like, wow, this looks very, very close um, to a Skoda. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a Passat, but maybe it could be um, also a future a future uh, Skoda for that sense. So, um that was extremely interesting. The interior um, was a bit of a surprise. There were absolutely no buttons in there. Um, they've kept it extremely clean. I don't think that Volkswagen will do anything like that. I don't think that uh, from their from their strategy that will work. Um, but that was actually good. It was uh, you know it was very tidy in there. Uh, the interior was white, I think, if I remember, but that wasn't, you know, mm. I don't, I just don't like white interiors, so I don't know why people still do that, but um, fair enough, I'll take that. Um, and they, there was this little anecdote I want to tell. Was like, you know, there was this marketing guy, and he was like, oh, come on, guys, I'll show you something really cool. And he was like, all right, let's go there. Um, so he opened up the boot, and then he opened up a lid in the boot, um, or a trunk for our American listeners, um, and he opened this up and there was a couple of skateboards in there. And I was just like, guys, we have seen that so many times. This is nothing special. I think this is something they were just like, oh, we're going to California. Like, you know, let's do that. Um, and you saw that the people walking away is like, we have seen this before from like Audi and like so many other companies. Like, this is just not cool anymore. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 for, for what Volkswagen is doing, you know, it fits into the family and everything like that. Um, 
but it is pretty much the preview of the next Passat, I would say. Yeah. And for that, actually, it was, it, it was quite nice. But also, again, obviously it's Volkswagen. So don't expect any kind of revolution from them. They're way too big to do that. As a brand, Volkswagen uh, itself is obviously way too big, much more, way too conservative to push for something like that, apart from maybe some colors, uh, you know, the C pillar down to the, uh, on the roof line and then going into the, um, uh, into the hood was all in one color. So it was a, a little bit of a two-tone touch to it as well. So um, that was uh, that was not bad. But this was the furthest, I think, you know, Volkswagen will go into being uh, a little bit more progressive. Um, but it, it was definitely, and this was the thing, is I had a little bit of a, a, a chat conversation after I posted the video um, with someone that I know who, 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 who is somehow affiliated with Volkswagen. And he said, like, you know, yeah, but I don't expect big things from that. And I was like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's like, you know, I would love to see a bit more, but it's a rock solid car. You know, it's it's Volkswagen at its best. It's rock solid. Like it goes into the right direction. It's just nothing where I put it on my top list because it's nothing that will blow you away or anything that you will remember in two, three weeks time. But when you're there, you see that the craftsmanship and the knowledge of building cars is um, is is incredible. Yeah. I mean, what, what struck me was, you know, in, in looking at that car from your, from your videos as well is just how long it is. I mean, this is a, a five meter long car. It's uh, very, very long. Um, but, you know, so by Volkswagen standards, it's almost kind of, um, you know, just going up a segment into, uh, so I don't know. I mean, the Passat's not nearly that long. I mean, the Phaeton perhaps was, but that was, you know, uh, an A8 kind of, uh, you know, uh, level of, of size. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to judge a vehicle when it's not in front of you. Um, you know, so it's, it's really difficult for me to kind of convey, um, you know, from the pictures that I've seen, what this what this thing actually is like. But I mean, it it is a concept. I I really really like the the clean interior. Um, it's probably you know pretty uh, close, I would say, um, to production. The ID three had a very similar treatment to the uh, to the roof as well in terms of the uh, the two tone colorways. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I do uh, I do hear what you're saying regarding the. Uh, the shoulder line and, and, you know, how it's undercut and, you know, it, it still has some kind of um, luxury, if you will, emotional surfacing in the body side, but it's very uh, pure and simple, much like Skoda. Um, and uh, so I can definitely see the, the relation there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I do like that. Um, but again, it seems like it's a really, really long car. Um, so, you know, really very, very big. <laughs> It, it 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 is a long car. Obviously, this is this is the funny thing is when you walk through LA and the motor show in particular, uh, these cars for the European market where we would say they're long, uh, they don't seem to be very long over here uh, because it's just like you know size is just completely different. What I want to say um, about the Volkswagen, what I found really annoying was the rear lights. Um, it's you know, you, you just, you would think like, you know, do something new, like, you know, Ford, if you drive on the, on the, on the highway here and you see, I think it's a Ford Explorer or like a Ford Flex or whatever it's called. Um, they have exactly the same lights and they've had those for like years and years and years. And when I see, when I saw the lights on, on the Volkswagen, um, I was just like, Hey, this looks like a Ford. And so they could have done something completely different. 
with with the lights and play around with them a little bit further and again this kind of theme and the general theme of hiding the lights especially in the front is uh, is uh, is done by the uh, by the Volkswagen as well because if you look into it you know it's 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 hidden in this parametric structure it's hidden pretty much in the in the hood as well so when they're when they're off you don't really see them and when they're on that's when you see them so that's definitely the trend that's been going on for a little bit now but it's becoming clearer and clearer and i think the american market likes this in particular because if you think about the uh the the the, the indicator signals that you have over here that are not as they are in europe in yellow but they can be also in red so you have the braking light in red and then the indicator indicating lights in red as well like you know to to move this into one seamless kind of lighting structure uh, is becoming a very uh, interesting thing, I think, for the American market. Um, the way it seems a little bit. Not sure if this is possible for the for the European market due to regulations, but over here, very interesting and a very very clear development um, from that. And uh, Volkswagen shows that again. Yeah, I, I never really understood why they, you know, would have a red turn signal. I mean, I know um, Jeeps, like you know used to have to change the uh the the tail lamp housing just because to confer to to can uh to to basically uh adhere to the laws in um in 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 Europe and it's 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 strange i don't know i think yellow is a much better identifying color for a turn signal you want to be seen you want to know what it is, what it is and what it does so i never really understood why red but anyway um okay so good well moving on i think um from this id space vision concept um, you know, there's perhaps a, another, uh, VW group, uh, branded product, which was the e-tron Sportback making its debut in LA. Wow. <laughs> What's your take um, on that? Audi, Audi, um, Audi did not have a good show stand, um, this year. Um, it was incredibly packed and not packed of people, but packed of cars in a relatively small space. Um, the e-tron Sportback is a crossover and you see the car, it looks exactly like an e-tron. The only thing that they have changed is they made it a crossover out of it. So like, you know, the back, you know, goes down a little bit further, like a little bit faster. Uh, that's why it's called the fastback, uh, and the Sportback in that sense. Um, I don't like it. This was something for me. It's like, you know, it's too aggressive, even for the electric version, like, you know, the e-tron, um, it's it's it doesn't have any kind of appeal to me to look at it for longer than three seconds um you know it started to turn and you know i was like oh cool i can see the front i can see the rear i can see everything of the car it's just like it's just not a nice overall picture there's too much aggressiveness into this they have not figured out the grill obviously they haven't done it on the e-tron um, you know, what to do with that and like, you know, how to, you know, make it part of the, the entire structure. I guess they have to do that kind of car just because like crossover, especially SUV crossovers are so popular at the moment. You've seen a lot of them driving around here, especially like, you know, the GLCs and the GLEs of from Mercedes. Um, they're probably going to sell, but design wise, uh, this, this was you know, this was nothing new. This was like when Porsche came up with the, I think it was Macan Coupe or something like that. The same uh, thing. It's just Cayenne, like, okay, you, it was, or the Cayenne, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so like, it's the same thing. You do that for the market, but design-wise, this has absolutely no, um, you know, no right to be there because it takes away space. So like you have an SUV, 
that uh, is supposed to give you space, and then it's just high. But it, you know, the the coupe versions and the fastback and sportsback, they just take away the space. So, from that perspective, not 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 impressed at all. And then that was the the the, the really ironic thing is like on the left on the turntable, they had the e-tron sportback just kind of promoting their electric abilities and stuff like that. And then literally ten meters away from that, they had the RSQ8. You know, and they advertise it like this is the most powerful SUV, like you know, in Europe or whatever. Like you know, for I don't know what they what what, what they did with that. This is like, guys, you know, it has a V8 engine, I think, like a V6 turbo or what. Well, I don't even know. But on the one hand, you have this electric thing, and on the other hand, you have what you advertise as the fastest kind of SUV that you've ever built, and you know, the most powerful. It's like this doesn't go together. So that the entire story that Audi was trying to sell over there was just so flawed, and it seemed like, oh crap, we have to show something in 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 LA that fits into the market over there. Oh, so let's just do quickly this uh, this e-tron Sportback, and like you know, let's try to bring this into production as quickly as possible. <laughs> Um, because the overall picture was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I just don't get it. Like, you know, Ford at least um, did a very convincing uh, electrification uh, stand as well. Um, of course, they had some of the pickups there, but it, it made a lot of sense to have that. Whereas with Audi, it was more like, oh, let's, let's throw something in there with electric just to kind of please the masses. Um, absolutely yeah. no touch for, in my opinion, what, what, what California is nowadays all about. Yes, well, perhaps, but I mean, the the RS line is is something that's that's massively successful for Audi, and you know, I mean, the RS six has a V ten engine for crying out loud. So you know, this uh, Q eight with close to six hundred horsepower out of a, it's it is a mild hybrid. I mean, it is a, a hybrid uh, power plant. Obviously, it's mated to a V eight engine, but um, you know, it, it does have some electrification capabilities as well. But um, I, I guess you know seeing that car against the um, the, uh, the the Sportback would have been a bit of a shock, uh, perhaps. But you know, Etron isn't really changing the game all that much. They have a bit uh, of different design details, but uh, ultimately, I mean, you know, the fact that this is a an SUV coupe um, is you know. It, it's not necessary. People buy SUVs for different reasons, right? I mean, it's not just about the practicality. It's an image thing. It's a ride height thing. It's a higher H point, easier ingress, egress. So there's a whole range and multitude of different reasons why they buy them, but it's an image car more than anything. And that's why, you know, the e-tron support back following on from the conventional uh, regular SUV e-tron, um, it, it just kind of, you know, to uh, flesh out the brand, I guess, a little bit, but uh, I, I see your point. And uh, um, but yeah, it, it, in terms of a style car, LA is all about you know cars that you buy that you can't even even afford because it says something about your image because you spend so much time in it. And uh, I think I, I made a reference to this the last time we were in LA. It's you know you see guys that are driving Aston Martins, but they still live at home with mom. You know, so it's a uh, it's it's a very different. Um, thing you know, people in 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 Europe, for example, in big cities, don't necessarily even like a car. It's not even an image statement, certainly for millennials anymore. But over there in LA, it's still very much part of your identity. Yeah, that that that's very true. And I mean, I I, I don't I mean this in a more global way because we go to so many car shows, of course. That the, the the general kind of you know disappointment I have with Audi in that sense is. Uh, um, is coming from you know the look of what they did in Frankfurt and Geneva and all these things. So that was more like a yearly 
uh, let's say like a yearly review that culminated over here in, 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 in LA. But unfortunately that's, that's the kind of feeling I had. Like they, they didn't put a lot of, um, emphasis on, 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 on California. It's more, you know, I had a little bit of the feeling that the Germans, especially over here, they're, they're living by the brand image rather than slowly understanding that things are changing over here. And in terms of EV, you know, nobody is even close to the guys over here at Tesla. No mm. one, you know, um, I think like Rivian and Lucid, they will have a shot at it as well here in California. Uh, obviously Rivian being in Detroit, but, um, Apart from that, the car, you know, the, the, the traditional car industry have not understood what the electric vehicles are all about, a company such as Tesla are all about. And that's why they're just going to continue doing what they're doing without having a clue why Tesla works or maybe why Tesla doesn't work um, in certain areas. So that was, that was again, this kind of point over here in LA at the show. It's just like, you know, Tesla doesn't even need to be here and it's the talk of the town because they're showing the, the, the pickup truck. And that's where it becomes interesting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's why Rivian is so important as well. I mean, the pickup market is huge, uh, California being the biggest market in the uh, in California. Um, and, you know, it, in, in the US, rather, um, it's it's very important to have a, a pickup truck, uh, an electric vehicle guys. And I think that's why Rivian is going to just kill it. But of course, Tesla is uh, up in their game, and they're going to show it off tonight. I believe um, the uh, the the new pickup truck. So that's going to be very interesting to see if it looks anything like the renderings that I've seen. Um, we'll, we'll see if, if that's the case. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really very much looking forward to seeing that vehicle. Yeah. All right. Shall we? I, I think I think in terms of LA. There's not that much more to talk about. Well, what about um, what about Faraday? Because that was something that kind of appealed to me as well. We saw the interior of the FF91 finally. Did you see it at the show or? I Okay, so <laughs> we, can, we can now finally talk about this in detail. When we were here last year, um, we were allowed to visit Faraday and they showed us the interior that they've shown at the show. Uh, actually, before the show actually started, they had this event, which I didn't go to. Um, where they presented the interior. So I've already known the interior for over a year now in terms of what it looks like. So the, it's still exactly the same. And it is, um, I think a lot of people said like, oh, you know, it's overloaded with technology and is it still like, you know, relevant and all these things. And I say, look, the interesting thing with the Faraday is don't see the Faraday for me personally as a private car. You know, see that as a car that will probably come pick you up from the airport. It could be like, you know, Uber X or something like that. Um, the thing is spacious as hell. This thing is so big. You have so much space in there. Um, you know, the seats are ultra comfortable. The, the interior, um, in, in particular, the, the driver's area is extremely cre clean. They have this little bar that shows you how fast you go. Like, you know, you turn left, you turn right, and that's pretty much it. It's incredibly clean. And then when you're the passenger in the front, this is when, when, when the entertainment starts and everything that you can do on the screen. So um, it's very much the way you have to imagine it is more like the driver sitting in his little cockpit and everybody who's a passenger has a screen has some kind of connectivity things they can put on screens and it's just it, it, don't see it as a driver's car being as see it, see it as a car that you're being driven in that's what i have to say that was the feeling that i had when we were there a year ago and we looked into the whole thing um this is more a luxury modern technology Rolls Royce than it is a 
you know, seven series BMW that you technically want to drive yourself. This is, it's just a much more different kind of approach to how it is. And for that, it's extremely impressive. I think some parts are just too, too digitalized. Um, so, you know, when you, when you, when you sit in, in, in your driver's seat or in your passenger seat, you have a little screen where you can change, uh, you know, your, uh, I think it's like, you know, your, your seat warming options, you have, uh, your, your AC options and all these kind of things. And all is done on a screen, which I think is a little bit too much. Uh, I don't think you need screens for that. Uh, but apart from that, it is not bad at all. I actually, when I sat in it, I did really, really enjoy sitting there. And I remember talking to Paige uh, Berman um, when he showed us the car. And like, he's like, oh, look at this and this and that. And I was like, look, Paige, if you pick me up in the airport from this thing, I'm going to be a happy person because it is very comfortable. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, it's the first time that we've seen pictures revealed of this, but, you know, this is a car that uh, Pontus Fonteus would have been working on back in, uh, you know, and yeah. he's been at GAC now almost three years. So, I mean, this car is, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's been finished for a long time. The only thing that I question is, you know, yes, it is very kind of technologically advanced and, you know, it's, it looks to be really, you know, beautifully appointed. I mean, it's, um, like you say, it's much more of a limousine in a crossover vehicle. So not the long wheelbase that we know of limousines in the US, but um, it's it's very much a, a service car, it looks like, you know, not something that you'd want to kind of drive yourself, but certainly for uh, rear passengers, um, you know, and in China, for example. But yeah. um, it's the thing that I kind of question is all of this tech, because it's so technologically laden, um, is that, you know, because it's it's going on three years, maybe even four years that you know this has been signed off and done and developed, um, whilst uh, you know um, Faraday's still kind of uh, trying to to uh, get the cash together in order to put it into production. It's like technology dates super fast. That's why we get a new iPhone every year, right? So what's going to yeah. happen? What's going to happen when this finally hits the 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 showroom floor or whatever the internet website and you can order one? Um, but they're not they don't have a stand in LA then, do they? No, no, they were just there. Um, they were just there. I think on the day before the show actually opened, on like the tech day, they showed the car there. Um, Canoe was there as well, um, mm. as far as I as far as I know. Uh, again, I wasn't there, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> So it's it, that, that that that's kind of weird because you would have hoped Canoe to be there, pre you know, permanently to show off what they're doing. Faraday being there permanently to show off what they're doing. So it's um, you know, they, they've missed out an opportunity. I think as the show organizers, I don't blame Faraday or Canoe not to be there and to kind of mingle if you don't if they don't want to with the traditional industry. But you know, for the broad public, it would have been absolutely fantastic to see these kind of things and see you know, what else is being done. But I, I do 100% agree. Um, the problem, the problem is with the Faraday, does the technology date well, because the car has been pretty much finished for about three years, two years now. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, no, definitely. Nice. Okay, well, okay. So I guess, um, you know, maybe we can just wrap it up from the LA show um, and uh, start talking about other things that were unveiled in recent times that are not in LA. I mean, P Porsche's in LA, 
but they didn't show anything interesting, right? And last year they showed the 911, nope. so you know they're not doing new cars every year. Um, but uh, there was one car that has basically set the internet on fire um, this last week, and that's the Aston Martin DBX. Um, that's you know Aston's first SUV in its 105 year history. Um, to me. It looks pretty damn good. And you've actually seen this car in person because you went to some owner's whatever event in uh, in Munich. So tell us tell us about your, your initial thoughts over there. So I, I got to see the car about two weeks ago um, at this, um, you know, at this special preview event in, in, in the Munich Aston dealership. And the what I want to say up front is like I didn't see the car here at the LA Motor Show, so what wherever they presented is not at the LA Show. So if you see any pictures out of LA, uh, must have been somewhere else. Um, I was only capable of seeing the car from about like you know maximum like five meters away from the exterior uh, because they had this box around it, and you can only you know you, you can only walk inside this box uh, when I was there. So I I can only give you that kind of impression. Um, in general, um, in short, what I like, uh, the front, they went back to the, you know, one of my favorite cars, car I own as well, 2005 uh, V8 Vantage front, a uh, closed front with the grille being prominent, but not overly prominent. Um, they included the vent, the new Vantage lights onto that kind of car, which I'm not 100% sure if that works. Uh, this the, the side view of the car at least from like the distance i've seen it looks ex- very very similar to a porsche um that probably has something to do with just how an, an suv works so there's not that much of flexibility and especially in that kind of category that you want to move into and in the kind of let's say motto that aston martin still still wants to live by which I believe they don't do anymore, but you know this kind of beauty is everything or whatever they call it. Um, so they're a little bit limited, but it looks very much like a Porsche. And the rear, unfortunately, and I have no idea why they have done that, they just copied from the, van- the new Vantage. So it has this fat lip pretty much on, on the rear with... Um, with 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 just a kind of a weird proportion in total because the car is very sleek and then you have the fat lip to give it some kind of sportiness or whatever i have no idea and that is just weird um it's just a weird kind of exterior uh for an aston what i want to say as well this is probably one of the most beautiful suvs it's definitely not one of the most beautiful cars. This is what people get wrong with this. They see Aston Martin, they think it's a beautiful car. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a nice looking SUV. It is not a beautiful car. That's the most important thing to say. And the worst part is, and this is something that maybe Aston cannot do for, the interior is not great. Um, If you sit in a car, again, like the Faraday, it's extremely spacious. It's very comfortable. You know, they have some cool little, you know, gadgets in there as well. But it's just entirely overloaded with buttons. Um, They are unfortunately in a situation because they are using AMG engines that they are required to use the last generation uh, Mercedes infotainment system, which was not great. And it wasn't great in its day when it came out. And it's definitely not great where we are at the moment. So um, it just kind of lacks through that. And if I would buy a 200,000 euro car, which is, you know, how much this car is with that kind of interior, 
I would feel that I'm being, you know, that, that, that they want to, they, they just want to like, you know, ramp up, you know, their kind of margin or whatever, because that is really a disappointment in terms of what you get for the money that you pay, which is a little bit down to the fact, of course, that they have this corporation. But if I think I've counted it, I think I came down to like 40 something buttons that are on the steering wheel in the middle console and all these kind of things. Um, and it's just so overloaded with everything that's going on. Um, that I'm just saying like, no, no, thank you. Like, you know, if I want to have an overloaded car, I can, you know, buy a Lamborghini because that's what, that's what they're doing in terms of interior oftentimes with all the switches and stuff, but that's cool. But for me, that kind of luxury. And if I think about it, I've spoken to a couple of the salespeople then at this event and I was just like, so I have so many buttons here. If I think that now Aston wants to go more into like, you know, a female uh, ownership direction, because this is, this is one of the big things that they want to do with the, with the DBX. I have so many buttons. I have maybe two kids in the bag. You know, I, I don't even know where I'm supposed to look at. And, and that's where the real disappointment for me comes in. It's just to say, Hey, we try to do a luxury car, but the content, especially on the interior that is there is not luxury whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, that's uh, an unfortunate um, effect, if you will, of sh of sharing of sharing these components with Daimler. So they've got second generation Daimler switch gear and things of that nature, certainly in the infotainment system. Um, and everything is is straight out of the Daimler parts bin. It's 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 necessary, as you say, for in terms of cost savings. But again, I mean, we're looking at a car that is 158,000 pounds starting. Um, so it's basically a direct competitor to a Bentega. It's it's far more expensive than a Bentega from a starting price. Um, it's it's more on par, if you will, with uh, with a Lamborghini Urus, um, yeah. so that is you know going to be extremely um, expensive. It's not in Cullinan territory, um, and you know the Range Rover SV autobiography also undercuts it. Um, but also, it's you know the autobiography is on par with the Bentley Bentayga. So uh, it's you know these super luxury SUVs. I mean. You know, they certainly have a place, certainly in terms of attracting a female demographic into the brands. As you mentioned, you know, that's clearly, uh, you know, something that is uh, a huge, um, a, a huge uh, um, win for brands is, you know, it's not just men that buy cars, right? Um, but definitely from an exterior perspective, you know, I mean, I've, I've watched a couple of videos, I've, I've seen a few things, but initially when I saw it, you know, it definitely has shades of, of the Porsche Cayenne in the front end. Um, but, you know, the the Vantage rear is is definitely something that, in my opinion, that makes it stand out and stand apart from the others and something that I really do quite like. And I, I always talk about, you know, pushing the boundaries and doing something different. And I mean, this certainly does. Like, granted, it's not probably going to be to everyone's taste. Um, but, you know, to me, Again, just looking at it in a few videos and photographs, um, I, I think that is one of the most appealing aspects of that vehicle um, is the fact that they did have the balls to do that. Um, and and it's it's very sporty looking. It's, uh, you know, definitely has a hell of a lot of character um, in what would normally be a, a pretty... Um, you know, non-event, uh, you know, it's, it's an SUV, right? Um, but I think the Aston team did do some very, very good things. And also, I mean, you talk about the interior. 
it's not the greatest in terms of infotainment and all the rest. But you know, one thing that uh, Aston does have is the, um, the the attention to detail, and some of you know the the trim on the on the seats in particular, and all of this like it's like embroidery. It's like really makes you feel like you're in something special. Yeah, I think it's. This is the thing, you know, Aston was always great on details um, and color and trim for them was always, you know, very, very high level, very important, you know, the hand stitching and all these kind of things. So, um, and that's not what I mean, but unfortunately, Aston was also very weak and has always been very weak on, you know, um, interior ergonomics and, you know, interior, just the pure kind of style of it and like, you know, how to do it in the best way. And they were able to cash that um, quite nicely with the quality of the color and trim and the quality of the materials that they're using. So that was, that, that is very, very true, but it comes back to this problem. It's like, yes, that, that's what I mentioned. Like, you know, for an SUV, this is, this is, this is a nice looking car. For an Aston Martin, no, it's not a nice looking car because that comes with just the problem of the SUV, I would think. Uh, there's much more beautiful cars that they have in the lineup, but I do do understand that they have to go into that. But I'm just disappointed. Not own, you know, I'm not saying this from an owner, but like uh, from an owner's perspective, but from a quality perspective and from a design perspective as well, they could have done much better um, in terms of making this a more drivable experience, a more driver-friendly experience, you know, making it cleaner, bringing back the simplicity into everything. But they are just lacking, I think, that kind of, uh, they have been lacking that quality in a long time. The new Vantage wasn't great in interior, you know, DB, uh, DB11 wasn't great in interior, DB, DBS neither. So maybe, maybe they should have to have a look into that a little bit more detail and see what can we do um, to to really enhance this, outer experience which is pleasant and bring it really back into the 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 inside experience because i've spoken at this event to a few guys and and they said exactly the same they were just like well you know maybe yeah but you know i could i could buy like another car that that has a much more easier to use system a much better infotainment system you know um so there is definitely questions for me about the dbx will it sell yes it will sell but will it sell as many cars as andy palmer uh, who's the CEO of Aston predicts it will sell. I'm not sure about that. This this could this could really be close for Aston to survive because I don't think it is as good as it could have been. And for the price that they're asking for, so the German selling price is 192k. But I was told, like realistically, um, you should probably have um, some extras in it, uh, so that makes it about 205,000 euros to make it the car that you should have. And that's crazy for, you know, what I see on the interior and especially the infotainment system that you see um, because then you buy the brand, which is, understand, you know, understandably and stuff like that. But for 200 grand, I can probably buy uh, a Lamborghini Urus with much better infotainment and, you know, much better, you know, interior setup as well if I like that kind of car. I'm not saying they're competing in the same customer group because I think Aston customers are a bit different than Lambo customers. But um, for the money that you spend... Uh, as as the Germans like to say, you know, price uh, the price that you pay for the quality that you get, probably not one hundred percent there. Yeah, you know, but um, maybe, but you still couldn't get a colon in for that, and you'd have to pay about pay <laughs> more for that. So, I mean, it's all relative, right? Um, That's true. If you're, if you're willing That's to true. spend that money, I don't know if fifty k is going to bother you, but uh, 
you know, certainly it's it's in the in the upper reaches there for uh, for you know regular everyday people. So, all right. Well, there's been a couple of other things that are more perhaps uh, to your taste, um, more um, along your lines. So non-SUV that we've seen revealed in recent times. And that would be, um, well, there's two. Um, unfortunately, from- unfortunately, I have to say, Eric, un- unfortunately, I have to say we have to move those to the next one because unfortunately I have to leave because we oh, have okay. to get out of our, uh, out of our, uh, you know, Airbnb that we have here. Um, but we will talk about uh, the Ferrari and the McLaren in particular on the next podcast episode because, you know, we will not forget about those and uh, they are pretty cool from both levels. Um, but unfortunately, I will have to leave. All right, man. Cool. Well, it's been good chatting. <laughs> Enjoy your time in LA. Enjoy the sunshine. And, Thank you very uh, much. We'll catch you on the next one. And meanwhile, if you'd like to follow us, you can catch me, Eric, at Form Trends or Martin at Concept House on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the rest, all that good stuff. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.